pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. of Creighton and UConn tonight. Number 15 versus number one commences right after the Grum is done at six. And uh, no better way to preview this matchup tonight than with my old partner and the guy you see just about everywhere you turn on your television. He's a Mountain West guy. He's a Big East guy. He's a Big Ten guy. Occasionally you see him on women's games too. It's Nick Pa. What's up? Nothing. I mean, I you name it. If there's a game, I'm there. Okay, it's Class D, C two, whip girls, boy. I don't care if it was a hoop game. I'm in it. I'm there. You have been a little bit of everything. Has it been? I I know you know you got you you know you get into a rhythm, especially when you cover one league like the Big East, like you've done for a long time. But is there something? I don't know, something different and exciting about kind of moving around a little bit more this year than you have in previous years? For sure. Like, it is it is fun to all of a sudden dip into the Mountain West and, and do a handful of games there. Uh, it, there there's I – think, I think it helps you have a little bit of perspective on everything. You know, sometimes you get – we're all victim of that in really anything we do where we just get caught in our own Big Ten West football world or, you know, or for for us, Big East basketball world, for Nebraska fans, Big Ten world. And you don't you don't ever really take a good look at everything else that's going on outside of that little little world for you. And so it's been fun to get up close and personal and see Colorado State in person and New Mexico in person and San Diego State again in person. Uh, there, there is a little bit of stress in that you have think of all just the the natural acquired knowledge you have of the big east john just for doing the games for 10 years or big 10 west football you can be like yeah this team reminds me of kane coulter and northwestern a couple years you know like you just have those things in your brain that are a little harder when all of a sudden you're doing a women's big 10 basketball game or you're doing a mountain west game uh so it's like the, there's there's stress that comes with not knowing everything that you know with the league that you cover, but it also is super, super fun and I think educational as like an analyst to kind of see a little bit of everything. Nick, kind of along those lines, I did want to ask you a random non-Big East, non-Creighton question. That was about Houston. Um, and I'm just curious as to how much you've seen of them this year because I looked at it in the last actual tournaments that have been played, the last four, because of course 2020, they made the Sweet 16 every single year. They made the Elite Eight twice and they made the Final Four once and they get a, a, a nice win uh, versus Iowa State. I'm just wondering if this is the team that can finally break through and maybe do something that that we haven't seen from them in a while. It's funny, literally... I was just watching, so I have Texas, Kansas this weekend, and I'm I'm kind of diving deep into some Texas prep, and I'm watching Houston, Texas right now, and I've watched I've watched uh, three or four Houston games this year, and watching them again, man, the, Jamal Shedd, L.J. Cryer, they got good guards, they're big and physical in the post, um, they're old and experienced, and I, I am. I, 
I am one of those guys that that does think that Ken Palm matters and like Ken Palm at least is a it's not a it's it's not just the end all be all but it's a pretty good indicator of who's really good and who maybe isn't and I'm pretty sure Houston has been number one at Ken Palm for like two straight months. Purdue can have a surge. UConn can have a surge. Like Houston has remained number one at Ken Palm the entire year. Right now, they're number one in adjusted defensive efficiency. They're 15th in offense. I think the LJ Cryer, John, we saw him with Baylor last year in, in the NCAA tournament. He's a good player. I think they're they're one of those teams. Like to me, I look at I like Houston. I like UConn. I like Tennessee. I like Illinois. Um, I, it's hard for me to not like Kansas, uh, even though they're super flawed, but their, their four best players are, are really good. But Houston is in that mix of teams, Josh, that like, I think is good enough to win the whole thing on paper right now. Uh, really, really impressed with it. Nick, as we get ready for the game tonight, but the question that's been asked here for several weeks, heck, even going back to the first time these two teams played is, is this UConn team better than the one that was playing at the end of last season? And I think that's an important delineation because they had a rough month of January a year ago, but the team that played late February through the NCAA tournament, do you like this current UConn team better or did you like last year's end of season national champions better? I still like last year's end of the season national championship team. I just – I mean, it, it's, it's a hard question because it's like you saw that team go do it. You know, like they did it. And I still feel like Jordan Hawkins, Sonogo, Andre Jackson, like those, the combination of those three guys, in particular Hawkins and Sonogo, I'd lean those two guys over if you want to pick Klingon and Newton or whoever the, the two best players that you, I mean, you could have a, a healthy discussion on that. I mean, you could make a case for Caravan. I mean, Cam Spencer has, has proven to be indispensable. I still lean the the end of last year's squad. I mean, they beat the brakes off of everybody in the NCAA tournament. Like, the, the run they had was fairly unprecedented. I think that what the 2018 Nova team the Brunson, DiVincenzo group, they they kind of hammered everybody by double double figures. But you just what they did in their run just it doesn't happen very often. And so I I have a lot of respect for that. Um so I still lean towards the end of last year, but that certainly doesn't mean that this year's team isn't uh isn't a well-oiled machine because they are. Nick, kind of along those lines, and I guess this is maybe a callback a little bit to the Houston question, too. Where, where does this UConn team rank amongst the best regular season teams that you've seen since you started calling games, let's say, on, on more of a non-just Creighton level? So over the last about decade, yeah. where does this group rank amongst the ones you've seen? God, it's hard. You know, you go through your Rolodex. I I, I tell people that that 2018 Nova team's the best team I've seen. Um, what's crazy is they didn't win the league. Xavier won the league. Isn't that wild? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 just, just like last year's that. UConn team didn't win the league. Didn't yeah. win the league. I mean, it's just I, I actually thought that Xavier team was was really good when Makira and blew it. Uh, that team was a one seed. They got upset by Florida State. Um, but I thought that team was good enough to go to the final four. That Xavier team, this UConn team, man, they're they're in the they're, they're in probably the five five or six best regular season teams I've seen in that. 
What's what's unique about them, Josh, is they don't necessarily have just a you know, Newton's really good, don't get me wrong, but but Newton isn't necessarily like uh you know, the kind of like a Marcus Howard or, you know, some a Trey Young, like a guy that is Newton's not going out there and just putting up 35 and 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 absolutely putting on a show. It's more of like this team is is truly as good of a five as one unit as I've seen in in quite some time. They operate uh at, at such a high level of toughness, efficiency, they execute. They rarely have bad possessions. Like I, I know Dan Hurley is kind of hilarious on the sidelines with his meltdowns and all this stuff. Like he has done an amazing job because he's acquired talent, but that talent plays tough. That talent plays unselfish. That talent plays with purpose. They execute. Like they run really good half court offense uh, in terms of X's and O's. But this UConn team, it, it may not have like that. I don't know if there's anybody on this team that we're going to be looking at like five, six, seven years down the road and, and being like Tristan Newton's an all-star in the NBA or Donovan Klingon's an all-star in the NBA. I don't know if you have that, which makes this team unique, uh, but it also kind of makes them special too. Nick Baugh joining us here as we're previewing Creighton-UConn tonight. Whether it's just an overall facet of the game from a team perspective or a one-on-one matchup tonight, which – which matchup is toughest for Creighton tonight? Oh, man. Uh, Caravan is problematic uh, at that at that four spot with his versatility. Um, you know, Mason Miller and Trout and those guys have just had a hard time defending at times at, at that spot. Um, Stephon Castle, you know, a, a, those big, strong wings are are typically tough for, for Creighton. Um you know, Kalkbrenner on on paper is obviously very well suited to handle a guy like Donovan Klingon or uh, uh, Samson Johnson. Uh, I I just I think the totality of of UConn's strength and pressure on the ball across the board is the number one thing I'll be watching for because if you try to remember that first game. Creighton was so pressed out they they could they had a hard time just entering offense, you know, just just yes. hitting the wing to get there, you know, in whatever action they wanted to get into. And and UConn has a way of getting you off schedule, you know, because there's a rhythm to offense. You know, it's got to be hit the wing, pop, hit, swing, down screen, whatever. You know, like there has to be some rhythm to that. And UConn just had Creighton pressed out, out of rhythm, and so I, I just. I, really, it's all those matchups, but I flip it. I'm more worried about how Creighton can score against UConn than I am necessarily Creighton defending UConn. I know that may sound weird, like, and that's not meant, meant to be a, a shot at UConn's offense because they're the third-ranked offense, and uh, according to Ken Palm. But I'm this game to me is way more about Creighton's ability to handle the pressure from UConn and get good shots than it is on the other side of the floor. In my and, 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 and as bad as it may have looked on television, sitting right there and having it happen <laughs> right in front of you, it felt like six on five. Right. That's how good they were. It's why Kalkbrenner only took five shots. They could not enter the ball to him at all. No, no. And, and, and yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, and, and there's been other games that have looked like that. UNLV pressed Creighton out. Uh, you, Colorado State kind of pressured Creighton out of stuff a little bit. Villanova has. Uh, Marquette did down the stretch 
of the game in Milwaukee. So they've they've proven to be a little a little bit prone to that. But I do think Stephen Ashworth feels like he's in a different place right now than where he was when when they first played UConn. So I think that's going to make a big difference. Uh, obviously, at home, you know, you're you're typically going to operate with a little more comfort offensively. Uh, I just I think Creighton's playing excellent offensively right now. That's why I think you look the trend. Creighton has typically played UConn well since since UConn's joined the Big East. I like where Creighton's out at offensively. Like I, I I think Creighton's got a great opportunity tonight to win this game. Nick, I did want to ask you a Creighton specific question because they are ten and five now in league play, and all ten of the wins have come in three chunks. They won four straight at the start of calendar year twenty twenty four, three straight after that lost to UConn that we were just talking about, and now they're on a current three game winning streak right now. Why have they turned into, for lack of a better term, a bit of a streaky team in league play? Is this on them? Is it the schedule combination of the two? Probably a combination of the two. Uh, I think. I think for for me, I'm more like to me. There's a, there's a, a a cut of what happened after. I think it was after that UConn game to this team's offense, where the first seven games of Big East play, Creighton was averaging around 67 or 68 points per game. The last eight games or ten games, whatever it is, I'd have to. I had the note in my for my pod I did yesterday. They're averaging about 87 points per game, and so. To me, that that's where it's it's flipped, and I think a lot of that is Stephen Ashworth. I mean, I, I think Stephen Stephen has started to make shots. Stephen is starting to be better in pick and rolls, finding Kalkbrenner and making decisions. He was always not turning it over, but now I think he's really seeing things in ball screen and ball screens and making reads. So for me, it just I, I think it was it, it's more about Josh. Like this team has found itself offensively. Because even like, I don't know, like you, you look at like their losses, 99 to 98 against Butler at home. Like that was one of those games. I don't know how it was for you guys. Like I just, I took off my headset and I was like, I, I don't know. Like I actually thought Creighton played pretty good. Butler played incredible. You, that happens in basketball sometimes. Even the game at Providence, you, Creighton was, I thought, had that game in control at, at one point, either at the end of regulation or in overtime. But then Devin Carter just went kind of, nuclear on everybody and and Josh Oduro had the best game of of his season so I say that to say like even though Creighton lost I didn't walk away from that Providence game on the road or the Butler game at home feeling like Creighton didn't play well so I feel like there's been this slow steady consistent ascension of playing well where I didn't actually there, there were some stretches where I didn't feel like Creighton even though they won I don't know if they necessarily played all that well, whether it's St. John's at home, Providence at home. Uh, there were some games where where they they won the game, but I left kind of like, ah, man, there was that that was that wasn't the cleanest thing I've ever seen. Where it's the uh, now it's kind of the other way. Even when they've lost games, I still feel like I like where this team is is trending towards. Nick Mack has had better scores. He's had better defensive guys. He's had better facilitators, passers, he's had better rebounders. But has he ever had a more complete player that mixes all of those elements together than Baylor Shireman? Yeah, that's a great way to frame it. And when you go just through your brain, it's hard to say, you know, because the, the first thing that comes to mind is like, oh, you think he's better than Doug? It's like, well, no. And no, that's no. not how you ask the question. You right. know what I mean? Like, 
that it's when you take everything into consideration, like you could make a case that a very good case that Baylor Shireman is the most well-rounded player Creighton has had under Greg McDermott. Um, That is the perfect way to put it. And I just, I I can't believe how much he's improved. Uh, I saw it right away when I saw him in the preseason. He looked like the most improved player uh, to me. He changed his body. I think he's, that allows him to get all the way to the basket more. I mean, the guys had three or four or five, like, holy crap, in traffic over people dunks that I'm not sure he would have even attempted a year ago. Uh, no, John, I, you know, it's like, is Marcus Foster just a better go get a bucket guy? Probably. Yeah. Probably. Um, but they're averaging about the same amount of points. Like, they're, like Baylor's still getting a lot of points here. Uh, you say there's been better rebounders, but it's like, yeah, that's true. Like, well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, you know, was Echenique a better rebounder? I mean, it can, you know, it, it's like you, 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 he just doesn't, you know, he doesn't look like how you think a rebounder would look like, no. you know, like, you know, he's, it's, it's just, it's different, but you look every game. It's like he had nine, he had 11, he had eight, like, and, and the way he passes the ball. Yeah. That's a John, that's a perfect way to put it. Like there've been guys, Maurice Watson's a better passer. Uh, Ethan Rogge's a better shooter, you know, on and on. Doug McDermott's the best all around scorer. But like when you took, take it all into, into, into account, he might be the best player Creighton's had under Greg McDermott, which is just in a, that feels like hyperbole, but I don't know. I don't know where you guys stand on it. I, he, I think he, right now he's in the front runner to be the Big East player of the year. I know you guys, I think you talked about it again yesterday, if yep. I'm not mistaken. You guys revisited that conversation. I, I, I still think, think it's Devin Carter, but the yeah. more this season is happening like it is, and Shireman's on this tear right now where he's doing everything, it's right. hard for me not to think that, that Shireman shouldn't be in that conversation. Well, and I'm sure you wouldn't mind. Ed Cooley agrees with you. I asked him at Shooter, I said, who's the player of the year? And he looked at me and gave me that. He was like, Devin Carter. Not even close, you know, so he, I mean, I, I think, and, and that's right. Like if Carter, to me, like Newton wins it, I get it. Like he's the most important player on the number one team in the country. They're going to, they're, they're looking like they're going to win the league going away. You know, like even Kolick, like all of Kolick's numbers are better points per game, rebounds, field goal percentage, three point percentage, everything is up. It's just, we're a little like, we've seen the Tyler Kolick movie and we're like, ah, <laughs> I mean, come on, you know, uh, and, and the other thing that's hard about like comparing Devin Carter's situation to Tristan Newton's situation is just like apples and oranges. You know, Carter has to do everything yes. and take all the shots and do all this stuff where Newton has this like machine around him that he just kind of has to like make sure everything is is humming properly. Uh, but the thing that will be interesting to me, I am one of those guys Now I'm not like the best player on the best team always has to win the NFL MVP, the NBA MVP, the Heisman, all that stuff. But I do think winning should matter on, on some level and how the standings shake out. Like can Devin Carter be the player of the year if Providence finishes fifth or sixth? It hasn't happened in 10 years. There's been a couple of fourth place guys, Chris Dunn, Mamo Kalashvili. Like there's been a couple of dudes that have won the player of the year and been on the fourth place team. <clears throat> but more often than not, it's been the first or second. 
place team. So we'll see. We'll see what what happens. But I just think uh, I think Shireman's in that conversation, man. I think I think he is right there. Nick, one more for me. Uh, now, now you were up close and personal to one of these, so maybe you're a bit biased. But what what has the better John Bishop drops? Is it last year against Baylor, or is it <laughs> earlier this season? Evan Burrows, you suck. What's better? <laughs> it's gotta be. It's gotta be slowed up. It's Slow got. It it's gotta be. Okay. Up. Nick, I got a story. All right, so <laughs> so uh, Saturday. Creighton gets the final rebound. They're up, you know, 18, whatever, whatever it is. And, and Trey gets a rebound and, and, and the game's over. And I say something about, and Mac is holding his hands out and he's saying, you know, all right, that's it boys. And two seats down, Rob Anderson does slow it up. And so I say, slow it up. And Mac overhears it. Creighton gets a 10 second count. And then I start going after Mac, who's right in front of me saying, He's got 10 seconds. He's got to get in the front court. So I almost think that slow it up cost Creighton a turnover that they shouldn't yeah. have had on Saturday. Well, I mean, a, one turnover and a blowout is totally worth having the hilarity that it has provided for, for everybody. The good thing about the slow it up thing is, is like the sandwich that it's in in the whole call of it. Yeah. You know? It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> it's What's so going funny. on, baby? <laughs> boom, boom. It was boom, boom, boom. It. We... Hey, what's going on, baby? I've never said what's going on, baby, in reaction to anything in my life. The only time in my entire time on earth I've ever said what's going on, baby, when something happened was Brian Nemhard's three against Baylor. Uh, I, I don't, it's just, and then you're slowing up. It just all was so. Well, but mine was in response to you. So, so, so I'm just playing off of you. Cause you say, yes. cause you say you got, you got to slow it down now. And so I say, and slow it up. And then instantly, Boom, pass to the corner, shot goes up. It's like they completely blew up our analysis. And then. Yeah. I just remember sitting on the bus with you, John, after the game in Denver. (laughs) And we had, and we, and you pulled up the call and you and I were looking at each other like, what, what did we do? What what happened there? Like, I don't know. Not a body experience. It truly was. It truly was. No, so I'm going slow it up. Slow it up. Slow it up. Slow it up. All right. Well, I I got I got so many. I'm just glad I can contribute to the Chicken Nick podcast on a semi regular basis. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Ah yeah. All right, Nick Ball, ladies and gentlemen, he's going to be on Westwood One here coming up soon, Texas and Kansas. Uh, And look for him on Fox Sports uh, One. He's got. Xavier and Marquette coming up. I really look forward to anytime I can hear Nick on the call when I'm not doing the game myself. So uh, good luck. And I know, I know we will reconvene at some point this season. Oh, we will reconvene. We will, my friend. Thank you guys for having me on. Okay. Appreciate you. And don't Thank forget, you, Nick. Nick's got his own podcast where there's a lot less laughing going on. You can uh, <laughs> check it out wherever you. There it is, the Nick Bob Podcast. <laughs> nice. The Nick Bob Podcast brought to you by Yeti. Yeti, <laughs> big time sponsor. I'm getting it the big dog. It should be. All right, Nick, have a good one. Thanks, you guys. That's Nick Bob. And when we come back, Josh is going to debut his new 2024 college baseball segment: <laughs> wooden bats and rubber hats. You had to be with us yesterday to understand what that means. Next on 1620 The Zone. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. 
Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.